0: Father, we continue in worship and praise and say that you are truly holy, Lord. Holy, holy, holy. It's the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Lord, be with the preaching of your word today, Lord. Uh, give us your grace. Give us your tr- strength. Give us your truth. And Lord, uh, lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Yours, Lord, truly is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Welcome here, everyone. My name is Pastor Jeremy. If you're just joining us online, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're here live in person, thank you so much for consistently and faithfully being determined to discipline yourself and engage with the family of God here at Midland Free. We appreciate you. What we're doing right now as a church is we are doing a little recap of the mission and vision we rolled out not too long ago. And we've got a big big picture vision. Let me remind you of that. It is that we aspire To be a gospel centered family where everyone we encounter moves closer to Jesus every day. Notice we didn't say that we want to be perfect right away, that we expect everyone to be a hundred percent godly by tomorrow, but instead in wherever you're at in your journey, that you will be intentionally making just another step, just another step, each and every day. Sometimes it's two steps forward and three steps back, but whatever it is, we're still taking another step together to move closer to Jesus. That's our big picture vision. And then our mission, honing in a little bit, how we do that is this, we enjoy and glorify God, we embrace his word, and we engage the world. And then we'll do this, led by the Spirit, not in our own strength, but by the Spirit, all of us we hope will welcome one another 'll we'll plug in and reach out and so what we 're doing in this mission vision recap is we 're looking at the three e 's the embrace um, sorry the enjoy embrace engage today is embrace last week was enjoy and glorify God, and if you want to revisit that, just tune just watch it online and that 'll be a blessing but today is embrace. God's word. Embrace God's word. Now, as we wrestled through the wording of this as a group of our leadership team, it was interesting to see different reactions. You know, some people who are more, you know, uh, touchy feely or physical touch oriented are like, yeah, we like that word embrace, you know, like embrace. Yeah. And other people are a little different or like, whoa, that's a little too, you know, embrace. That's not me. And what we mean by that, we want to be clear, is regardless of where you're at on the spectrum of physical touch and affection and yada yada, the point is when we say embrace God's word, we want to own it ourselves. It's not something that we just, you know, let sit there and like, that's a nice book, you know, dust it off once in a while. Cool. No, it's something we're like, man, we love this thing. This is it for us, the foundation of truth and life and godliness. That Everything we know, everything we believe comes from this book. This is really, really it for us. By embrace, we mean appropriate, make it a part of yourself, internalize, hold to, cling to, just love and own God's word. Young people, hear me. Youth, children, please listen. You're going to need this book your whole life. Without it, you've got no direction. But with this book, you have guidance and wisdom and preservation and protection to make you whole. And so we want everyone, not just young people, but regardless of where you're at in life, as a Bible-believing Christian, that's what we are. We are Bible-believing Christians to embrace God's Word. And so we're going to talk about that portion today. We're going to talk about it in three steps. Um, they rhyme. They're kind of big words, but I think you know them and you'll get to them one way or another. But they are these three. Here's the three steps for today's movement along our journey, our sermon. It is purification, preservation, and sanctification. Purification, preservation, sanctification just for fun and to make sure you're awake let's say that together this morning ready purification preservation sanctification excellent thank you so much purification preservation sanctification we're going to start with purification just a moment ago we sang this you know beautiful um, i don't know what to call it reprise or something end of the song where we cried out holy 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 is the lord god almighty and indeed People who study God as the most important thing to study in the entire universe. We call them theologians. And they say this in the theological dictionary of the New Testament. That the holiness of God reveals his inmost character or nature. It embraces all aspects of who he is. His omnipotence, his eternity, his glory. And as a result, it evokes awe in us. Let me read to you that passage from Isaiah that we referred to just a minute ago. This is Isaiah chapter 6. If you have a Bible, you're welcome to follow along. Isaiah chapter 6, beginning in verse 1. Isaiah has a vision of the Lord. And this is how he describes God and his holiness. It says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne. And the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. They each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. And with two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. And one called to the other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of God armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundation of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices and the temple was filled with smoke. Then I said, woe is me for I'm ruined because I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the king of the Lord of armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me and in his hand was a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs. And he touched my mouth and with it said now that this has touched your lips your iniquity is removed and your sin is atoned for the essence of who god is his fundamental nature is holy now what that means for us is the same thing it means for isaiah when we hear that it's a little bit unsettling we want to cry out with the prophet and say whoa 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 is me hold on I am not quite worthy of this. And if I go in there, I am undone. I might get blasted. I am in trouble. And it evokes this imagery of the Old Testament and the temple worship and the curtain and the priests that we behind the veil and all the processes of purification and rituals that went into that. Uh, The Day of Atonement and only going in there once a year and making sure that all the golden Candlesticks were absolutely perfect. And all the basins were washed and purified. And the altar was sprinkled with blood. And everything was just right. Absolutely perfect and made pure. So that anything that is remotely close to the presence of God is perfect. That's the only thing that God is. He's perfect. And then what we see in the New Testament... It's this process playing out with Jesus, the Lamb of God, how his blood sprinkles us and makes us pure and allows us to go behind the veil and cleanses us and makes us clean. And as a result, what happened in the Old Testament, this purification that was done through ritual and other things in the New Testament is being done spiritually through the cleansing of the Holy Spirit and the washing of the Word. When you read the Bible... You get cleaner. When you read the Bible you get cleaner. Somebody once said they was telling a story to this old fella and he was complaining about how difficult it is to remember what's in the Bible. He's like I read it and I read it. I don't remember it and I don't know. And the old fella described grabbed a basket, a wicker basket that was Used to carry coal. And so it was very dirty. It was no longer white. And he sent the young man down to the stream. And he said, fill this up with water and bring it back. And the guy's like, what? Okay, just fill it up with water. There. Fill it up with water. Fill it up with water and bring it back. So the guy does and he brings it back. Of course, there's no water. And he's like, but look at it now. See how it has changed. Yes, it didn't necessarily retain everything. But the substance... the..." The virtue, the beauty, it's all been brought back because it's been washed clean. That's how it is when you read the Word of God. When the Holy Spirit begins to work through the Word, it cleanses you. It purifies you. It moves through you. Yeah, you may not remember everything you read. Who does? But it changes you. And this is the process we need to go through every single day as much as we can is to be cleansed, to be purified, to let the water of the Word wash through us. And purify us. It feels better. Try it. So number one. Our purification. Like like Isaiah. We need to. Go through the process of purification. For the priest. It was one method. For Isaiah and his vision. It's the coal. For us in the New Testament. It's the washing of the word. And the Holy Spirit of God. That makes us clean. Number one your purification. Why should we embrace the word? Why is it a big deal? Because we all are sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. We need to be purified. Number 1. Number 2, for our preservation. Once you've been purified, that's great, but we want to stay that way. We don't want to get dirty again. We don't want to get destroyed. We don't want to get messed up. So, let me read to you again from the word of God. And that's important. You know, I, I, I use my notes and we print it out and we put it on the screen. So it may not always look like Pastor Jeremy doesn't preach from the word. I preach from the word. This is where it comes from. This is where it's at. This is what we do. But I'm using it this morning just to show you. Um, it won't. These verses won't be up on the screen. But listen, as Paul warns his young protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 2. He's telling him about what's going to happen. Paul is leaving the scene. He is passing the baton. And as a young person, he's saying, Timothy, watch out. There's stuff coming down the pipe that will hurt you, that is not good for you, that will mess you up. And this is what you need to stay alive. 2 Timothy chapter 3 says, in fact, verse 12, All who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. You will be. Jesus said you would. Paul says you would. The Bible says you would. You will have trouble. Okay. Evil people and imposters will become worse. Deceiving and being deceived. But as for you. But as for you. Others are like that. But you're not. If you are in Christ. That's not you. As for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you and you know how that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then that famous verse, hopefully you've memorized it in verse 16. Three... I just sometimes jokingly say the 316s of the Bible are pretty important, right? 2 Timothy 316, all scripture, all of it, front to back, cover to cover, every single word is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching what we're doing right now, for rebuking what we need sometimes, for correcting what we always need, for training in righteousness so that the man or person of God may be complete and equipped For every good work. Look things are going to get worse. It's going to go from bad to worse. Evil people. Impostors etc. But this is the way. That you will keep yourself clean. This is the way that you will be preserved. This is the way that you will survive. In fact Jesus himself says it like this. In John chapter 17 verse 3. He says. This is eternal life. It's funny as Christians right. Like we talk about. Having eternal life all the time, We're always like have eternal life. But then ask yourself the question: What is eternal life? Well, uh, living forever. Well, maybe it's not just duration, though. The Bible doesn't refer to eternal life as merely duration, but it also refers to it as a quality of life. Eternal is not only a temp. Time description it 's a quality description, and the quality of the eternal is way better than the quality of the temporal. Our temporal life is one way, but our eternal life is an entire different way and so the New Testament in John and first John, especially, says this is eternal life. Here it is, not that you live forever that 's not just it. You will, but that's not. But this, verse verse 3 of chapter 17, this is it. This is what eternal life is. That they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Knowing God is eternal life. This is the biggest and greatest blessing there is. This is eternal life. What does the church have that nobody else in the entire world does? We have the life-changing, world-saving, good news of Jesus Christ. You want a blood drive? There's other places that've got that. You want a curling club? There's other places that got that. You got a quilting club. You want a basketball club. You want a soccer club. You want a choir. You want community service. They've all got that. People who believe exactly the opposite of us do good things. But what does the church have? That nobody else in the entire world, forever and ever, for whatever reason, in the mystery of the infinite wisdom of God, he chose this broken and fallen body to be the bearers and proclaimers of his good news. We have the gospel. What you win them with, you win them too. Let's not win them with activities and other candy and junk. Let's win them with Jesus. The thing we have as a body. That nobody else does. This is eternal life. This is what it is. That they may know you. Knowing God is eternal life. Number one. We need to embrace the word for our purification. Number two. We need to embrace it for our preservation. If we want to live forever. If we want to enjoy that quality of life this is how we do it and number 3 for our sanctification for our sanctification jesus says in john 17:17 17, 17, sanctify them in truth your word is truth sanctify them in truth your word is truth let me remind you of our vision once one more time it says this We want to move closer to Jesus every single day. Do you want to do that? Is that something you're interested in? If so, then listen to what R.C. Lucas says. And this is so, so important. So important. He says, people cannot know Christ better without knowing scriptures. Do you understand that? We don't worship the Bible. We worship Jesus. But the thing is, everything we know about Jesus comes from the bible a jewish historian by the josephus names him once or twice but other than that all of our information is right here if you don't read this you don't know this you don't know jesus you have to know the bible to know jesus that's where we get all of our information about him it is the only source for knowing christ Someone may tell you about him and you'll be partially informed and have incomplete knowledge. But if you want the fullness, if you want transformation, if you want to grow closer to Jesus, listen to what Lucas says. He says, people cannot know Christ better without knowing scripture better. It is only through an expository ministry that the word of God can be fully known. It's only through the word of God that Christ can be fully known. There is no shortcut here. Such Bible teaching and Bible study is the crying need of the church today. Hey, listen, there's a lot of churches out there, right? I don't want to pretend. And realistically, I don't think we're in competition with any of them. You know, if you want the confetti church, go there. (laughs) By all means, there's one out there in our community. They advertise with confetti. That's not us. That's not me. I'm not bragging about. We're not all about confetti. There's, another, there's other churches out there that are about events or activities. And sure, it's good to get together. My kids get bored and I want them to have something to do too. By all means, let's hang out. But that's not the essence of the church. What happens in the New Testament when the church has to go underground? Are they all about big events? By no means. There are small group gatherings hanging out in their closets, huddling close together. That's not the church church is not about events or confetti or anything else. But the church is about the eternal, life-changing, world-saving good news of Jesus Christ. What if we made that our center and focus? Wouldn't it be great if we were the church? Wouldn't it be great if we were the church and someone new comes to the community They say, yeah, there's a lot of churches in Midland. There's some cool churches doing cool stuff. But if you want to know the word, if you want to know Jesus, then there's only one place to be. Because there is one church more than any of the others that is committed to the word of God and the truth of Jesus Christ. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah, there's this other church. They got a great quilting club. They got a great curling club. They got a neat karate thing. They got a soccer team. They got a softball team. They've got... Wouldn't it be great if we were that place where the people said, if you want to know God, if you want to know Jesus, if you want a church that teaches God's word, the truth of eternal life, like no other, it's not swayed back and forth with every wind of doctrine, but is focused on the eternal truth. This is that place. I think that would be absolutely beautiful, amazing, and one of the highest compliments we could ever get. And I can't control everything. I'm just one guy. That has to be throughout all of us if that's going to be our thing. But what I can commit to you is this. As your pastor, I'll preach the word. If it's up to me, I'll stay here in this pulpit and stand on it every single day. Where else do we have to go, Lord? Lord? You have the words of eternal life. You think there's something else we can stand on or someone else we can go to? Maybe a six-step plan to improve your life now. Six leadership methods for today. Grow your... We have this. This is better than anything else. That's where I'm at. So, number one, purification. Number two, preservation. And number three, sanctification. Bottom line is this. Our church says we want to enjoy and glorify God and we want to embrace his word. Embrace it. I want to be that church and I hope you want to be that church. It says, yeah, we hold to, we cling to, we embrace the word of God. And what that means for you in your daily life is this. I'm gonna give you two simple things I think you can do. One is read it on your own and the other is read it with others. Read it on your own and read it with others. Read it on your own. Okay, I'm dyslexic. Fine, okay. I'm not asking you to read it cover to cover even in the next year. It's okay if you're not like the head of the class, PhD in literature who reads like it's nothing. That's okay. Read a paragraph a day. Take 20 minutes to read a paragraph. That's fine. But do something. Do it consistently. Ask yourself the question, what is something I do every single day? And see if you can tie it to that. Well, every day I eat breakfast. Every night, I don't know, I got this thing. I go out on the porch and I have a cup of tea. Do it then. Find something that... Every single day, this is part of your routine and work it in. Maybe you're like, yeah, I got an hour and a half commute. It's not going to work. Okay, get an audio version, get a podcast, get Jesus going in your ear so you can listen to him as you go down the road. Do something. Incorporate it as much as you can so it's intertwined. It's not something that once a year on the retreat or before the mission trip, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to read the Bible. I forgot little tiny deposits just like you do anything else investing you know you can't just put a million dollars in the bank tomorrow it's got to be tiny little deposits over a long period of time and that's what builds your wealth so too with Christianity you want to store up treasures in heaven that's how little bits for a long time just keep plinking away pennies at a time and before long you see That changed. Number one, read the Bible. Do it on your own. Put it on your phone. Take it with you. In the Old Testament, it's like tie it to your garments or tie it to your doorpost or whatever. In the New Testament now, I'd say, you know, put it on your phone or something. I don't know. Tie it to you. Find what's tied to you on a daily basis and put it there. Number one, read it on your own. Number two, do it in community. It depends on how you're wired, but sometimes, oftentimes, it can be a greater blessing to do it with others than on your own. Maybe you're reading on your own and you get back together with others and you share it and all of a sudden, somebody else brings out something you would have never seen and you're like, wow, that's amazing. Or they confirm, you saw that too? Yeah, that's cool. Well, how is God working that out in your life and you build each other up as a gospel-centered family? Do it in community. There's a lot of good ways you can do it in community. One of the best, honest to God, I feel one of the best is right here in our small churches. Why do I say that? Because our small churches can do things that we can't in this big room. In this big room, we're spread out, understandably so. It's big and we need to be and so here we are. But in this smaller community, if something happens to you, others will know. If you experience pain or struggle or you're going through something, there's people there that can pray for you and encourage you. If you're sitting out in the back row, I can barely see you. My eyes are blinded. The lights are bright. Stuff's going. I'm thinking about what I'm saying. I may not notice if all of a sudden someone's not sitting there one Sunday. Don't get mad at me. I can't see you. But if you want to be seen, if you want to be known, if you want to be loved, you need to plug into a small group. That would be like a small church we do on Sunday mornings. Or you can do a small group if you can't do that sometime throughout the week. A life group or form your own small group. That's fine. In the community, we have broader things like Bible study fellowship, what's called BSF. I always get confused in the acronyms. There's also CBS, BSF, CBS, Community Bible study. Bible study fellowship. Different times. Different opportunities. All sorts of ways to connect with other believers in Christ. Find one. Do one. Do something. And maybe none of that works for you. Find a coworker who happens to be some sort of Christian in some way. And talk to them. And if they're not a Christian. Find someone and make them one. Do something. But do it in community. Number one. Read it on your own. Number two. Do it in community. Remember our vision is to move closer to Jesus every day. We want to embrace his word. Why? Because this is eternal life. This is what it is. John 17 3 says. This is eternal life. That they may know you. The only true God. The only way. The only truth. and The only life. Jesus Christ. Whom you have sent. Purification. Preservation, sanctification, embrace the word. Father in heaven, help us to embrace your truth. Lord, as you said, sanctify us in truth. Your word is truth. There's a lot of messages out there, Lord. There's a lot of them. We get them every day in many different forms. I pray that despite all the noise going on around us, in our head, and in our hearts, that we would hear from you. Lord Jesus, please cause us to embrace your word. In your name we pray. Amen.